Welcome, everybody. I, I am uh, deeply fascinated with our next guest, uh, Bethany Brown. I have had the chance to, uh, to see her in, you know, uh, in, uh, in Charmed. I've seen her in uh, Flash. You've seen her in a bunch of uh, places like 100. You're about to see her in the Astronauts. So she has a wonderful portfolio of, of work. And you've probably heard her voice in a lot more places than that and seen her <laughs> on your TV screens uh, in commercials, especially here in Vancouver. Uh, welcome, Bethany, to the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's funny when you say that. I'm like, you've probably seen me in a lot more places than you've even wanted to see me. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I just got out of the woodwork in multiple different angles, uh, including my voice. You know, it will haunt you at night. <laughs> uh, it certainly will not because the voice will not haunt you. It'll put you to sleep. It'll uh, inspire you to go and move around, depending on what it is that you're singing about. You are a singer. You're a musician. Uh, you've mentioned, and by the way, I'm going to post the, uh, the interview right below this. You had a wonderful chat with, uh, with Malcolm, uh, uh, Malcolm Barrett, who I, I love, you know, from Timeless. And I really enjoyed uh, your talk. It was very, it was very, very interesting to, uh, to learn all these things about you. And we're going to build on that. And I'll ask you some, uh, some questions and maybe uh, people can get to know you better from other perspectives, but we'll post it. I definitely recommend for everybody to watch it. Uh, Malcolm, great job on it. I really enjoyed it. Um, so you, and actually I'll, I'll, let's, let's do it like this because people may not be as familiar with you as, as I am at this point, but let's give them a background. So um, how did you get into being a musician, being an actress, being a singer? How did you get to where you are right now? Wow. wow, okay, that's a really it's long a, answer. Uh, I'm gonna start at the beginning. So how I became a musician, um, as a little kid, like about three years old, my brothers, I've got three older brothers, and they were playing piano, learning piano. Mm -hmm. And so I just started to like parrot them and play back to them as like a really fun game of like, nah, 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 I can do it too. And yeah. so my mom was like, uh-oh, we've got like a little musician on our hands. So basically anytime I'd get bored as a little kid, my yeah. mom would just get a new instrument and then I would start to learn that. So um, I entered into music school when I was about like five or six and learned piano, violin, viola, cello, glockenspiel, triangle, you know what I mean? We just kind of kept adding instruments in. Um, so that's how I became a musician and it started classically. And then I branched out like, you know, by the time I was in grade seven, I was learning jazz and scoring for orchestra. And um, then as I got older, like moved into more pop music, folk music, rock music, I kind of played the gamut of things yeah. um, and really offering strings to other people's projects and to my own projects. And then I would sing basically out of necessity. So like, I was in a band and we were touring Asia and Indonesia and we didn't have a singer. And so I would, I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. Um, and so that's kind of how I became a vocalist. So I'm a, like a reluctant singer. Now I like it more cause I'm better practiced at it. But in the beginning, I definitely there, I, I could have practiced more. I'll say. <laughs> um, and how I became an actor. Um, I transitioned from music into sports because I needed a scholarship to university. Mm -hmm. And so I focused more on sports and getting a sports scholarship. And then I was playing soccer on a beach with some friends and they were casting a commercial. And so my friends were like, hey, should we audition for this commercial? And I was like, yeah, for sure. 
And uh, so they were they were auditioning for like Tony's Team Tiger and like the soccer girls. And so they were like, hey, can you do some cool tricks? And I was like, yeah, I'll do like a handspring throw in where yeah. you like, yeah, basically do a handspring on the ball and throw it in. And they were like, oh, cool. Can you get it like right at the camera? And so I was like, yeah, for sure. So I beamed the camera, like actually like cracked the camera and broke it and was like, I'm sorry. I, I thought you meant at the camp. I, th- I really thought you meant in the camp. So I did it. Mm-hmm. And now I broke it. And then I ended up booking the commercial. So that was a, a win for me. Uh, maybe not so much for the casting. They did have me back and we're still friends to this day. But that right. was kind of what kicked off my acting career in terms of being paid as an actor. Yeah. Excellent. So apparently you really broke into the industry in, in the most literal way. I kind of smashed it. Yeah. 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 Very nice. Uh, my daughter will hate that pun, but sorry, honey. Uh, that's that's uh, dad's jokes right there. Um, okay. <laughs> very, very cool. And uh, again, people have seen you on Hellcats as well. And I thought maybe Hellcats was your first one because it combines, you know, violin and combines other things. But no, it were, the L word uh, was your first one. And then you kind of went on from there. So that was an interesting thing. Um, yeah. So sports. Again, this is one of the things that I'm kind of incredibly fascinated by because you have an incredible variety of things that you're good at, which I want to ask you about in a minute. <clears throat> but how did sports kind of uh, end? And at what point was it just acting started taking over? You didn't have enough time for it or what happened? That's a great question. So um, I was kind of a semi-pro athlete, meaning that I made enough money to live and to mm-hmm. go through school. Um, but when I was 18, I tore my ACL and my medial meniscus. Yep. And it was a pretty devastating injury because at that juncture, like I kind of had to take four and a half months of rehab. Yep. And within that four and a half months, you can slip back enough progress wise where you just don't keep up with everybody else because everyone's still growing. Yep. And um, so more so it, it affected my mentality than my physical because I did rehab really well, but I actually was more scared after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think I went from feeling like a superhero to feeling like really valuable. And, yeah. um, and so I was a bit more protective. And so I think at that point, that was also when I booked that first commercial, like right in that same range. So my brain was open to other ideas I was pretty single-minded about athletics and thought, I just want to go to the Olympics. And like, I really just want to play. The other thing that I realized is that I'm like five, two. And, um, I had it, I didn't get that. I was so short until, you know, that 18 where everyone actually kept growing and I just didn't. And, um, and so with the Canadian system of soccer, I'm just not tall enough for it and, and yeah. big enough. For it. Um, so I really felt those limitations. And then randomly, I was buying my brother a Christmas gift in like Rona, like a hardware store. I got his wife like a purse. And I was like, what do I get like the male version of a purse? And it was like this toolbox. So anyway, I'm totally out of my element. And this, it was very random. This like shelf load of equipment broke and fell on my foot and crushed my foot and ended my soccer career. I know. I was shook too. Yeah. And like, I really thought I'd rehab because I was like, I've rehab from everything and I can just figure this out, but I couldn't. And so um, that was the actual real turning point to where I said, I'm no longer able to play soccer and I'm just going to put all of that energy and focus into my acting career. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
sorry, but I, I think the uh, the universe was trying to tell you something. So yeah, maybe you it was know what? A... I actually heard that foot injuries are supposed to like change your path. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, that did that. That's for sure. It really did that. And like literally my very first auditions, I would like take my crutches in and I was self-represented and like would leave my crutches at the door and then audition. So yeah, it definitely changed my path and like launched me into this beautiful like career that I could have never imagined at that point. Yeah. And we, it's, it's interesting because life is about these moments. It's about these moments that you don't necessarily expect, but that moment changes everything and it changes to trajectory and it changes where you are and who you are ultimately. So yeah. that was one of those moments for you, apparently. Absolutely. And it's funny because like my mom is like my guru. Um, she says, you know, all those like crazy mom things. And she's like, um, the, the biggest gift is to surrender to the moment. Yeah. And that was kind of, for me, she kind of gave me that. And it was difficult because I had a full identity constructed around being an athlete and then didn't know who I was and was like okay I just need to surrender to whatever this is and let it build itself and I'm so thankful that I was given that little hint of like the surrender is what actually turns the trajectory um yeah because the surrender means that you know we we're kind of saying fine I don't know exactly where this is going and universe lead me and whether, you know, some people believe in God, like I do, some people do not, and they believe in other things. So whatever it is, we just basically let go. And then the ultimate knowledge is, is the, what guides us. And it's, totally. it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's, uh, all, all of the identities that we, uh, we build up, all of the ways that we think we understand, and then things happen that change our perspective. I've been going through that uh, on, in my life many times, including, you know, right now. And getting to that point where you have to say, okay, well, let's see. And I'll, I'll just uh, stop kind of driving uh, the bus and uh, see where it goes from here. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting uh, dynamic of how do you still feel creative? How do you still feel like you want to accomplish certain things and yet let go and allow more to come in? It's that, it's that pushing versus allowing. It's, it's a very fine balance that we all have to work through. So, um, yeah. Interesting. So many people ask me, how have you done so many things? And how did you know that, like, let's say, for example, um, I played a detective and was training kind of two years before to change my physique, because you can see I'm kind of like a noodle. And, mm -hmm. and the detective that I played was more like a bulldog. Mm -hmm. And when I played soccer, that was the physique that I more so carried myself, which was a bit more muscle mass. And people would go, how did you know that that would serve this and that that was coming? And I was like, oh, I didn't know. But I just find that I'm a very good listener, like taking in whatever signs are, or whatever the impulse might be, and not assuming that I know what's coming or I know what's best. Um, being open to dialogue and, you know, rolling with the waves that come. And I know that's like so spiritual, like woo-woo stuff, but that's, that's it. I, you know... I didn't know any of this. I didn't know that I'd injure my foot. I didn't know that I'd become an actor. I didn't have a dream when I was a child of becoming an actor. Yeah. My dream was to be a musician and an athlete. And then I found acting because it literally was like the thing that brought those things together. Yeah, because you can, you can play a musician or you can use music in acting. You can be an athlete uh, in your scenes. You can, you know, for me, acting, and I, I think for you as well, it's the, it's the ability to live multiple lifetimes in one. Uh, and it's really what it is and kind of uh, 
try things on and then discover yourself in it. And uh, uh, when I was younger, I, I quit acting for a while because I was so focused on finding myself and being myself and being true to myself that when I would read a script and then a teacher would say, well, you have to be that character. I said, no, I don't want to be anybody else. I want to be me. And then over time, you know, the discovery came off. Acting is not about being anyone else. Acting is about being you and discovering aspects of you with another person's circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful, because I, I really, I don't like the idea of loss of self. And um, I do find that a lot of newer actors are, are truly trying to play something else. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a very like idea heady version of being human. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're your more, most valuable resource and let the script put you in very adverse circumstances. And like, say, for example, the character on the astronauts, she's about 15% of me. Mm-hmm. And I just augment that 15% into a fullness of character yeah. um, and an adventure in it. And then butt up against some of her own limitations that for me are very frustrating. Like she's not as emotionally mature as yeah. I am or, or nuanced. Um, or emotional in general she's very intellectual and I'm like oh you're missing so much of life there's this richness with being passionate you know and um, this damage to some of the relationships around her because she doesn't have access to those same depth of emotions or doesn't feel safe in those emotions Um, and so it's funny coming home and feeling so frustrated with the character going you're jeopardizing these people like the relationships with people you love and you have no idea yeah so Uh, how do you, again, it's, it's nice that you, you're very aware of, okay, these are the aspects of me that I'm bringing to this particular character and you separate yourself from it. So do you find that it's easy to kind of let go and let go of that frustration of saying you are missing and then, okay, I'm back to Bethany. I'm me. I'm not missing anything. I, I know who I am. Does that process take a while or are you able to kind of snap in and out quickly? Um, I'm getting faster, like bouncing in and out. Yeah. But um, initially, there were some movies along the way that were so difficult that they kind of stuck with me for weeks to almost a month after. Yeah. And it would be imagined circumstances like the loss of a best friend and the guilt of feeling like I should have done something or known something. And then going, okay, so I don't have that best friend. Bethany that doesn't even know that. That person doesn't exist. Yeah. but I'm still grieving the loss of that person um, and being very thankful to the people around me who are my friends and my loved ones for giving me the space to grieve imagined circumstances. Yep. Um, but now um, it depends. So if a character is really close to me, let's say for example, it's like 85% of me, which is kind of Ruby on Charmed. She's the closest thing I've ever played to myself. Um, that I can bounce in and out of really quickly because it's so similar. But with the character on the astronauts, I need about a day to really unravel and loosen back up into being myself and accessing kind of what I have access to versus her interests are so narrow and her focus is so narrow and she's so cerebral that I find for at least a day after I'm still kind of in that place and I feel a bit frustrated with how limiting that that can feel for me personally. But she's also super cool and like a badass and so heroic um, that there's this other thing of like, I wish I was more like that in certain circumstances for sure. 
So what do you do? What's your process for snapping back into, uh, into you? I, I have mine. I want to know what yours is. Okay. Really good question. Cause I think this is not talked about enough for people when they do approach really difficult characters. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, it's a crazy amount of self-care, like bubble baths. It could be going for a massage. It could be going for like a long walk or a hike. And I kind of have a list of like Bethany hobbies, things that Bethany loves and enjoys. And it's how I sort of reorient back into Bethany and Bethany's balance. Um, especially say, for example, when I played the detective character, we were dealing with such harsh content um, and late nights, including late shoot nights that I was so far off of my own rhythm and my own, like what I would normally think about um, that getting back into like my actual like rhythm of how I would approach a day was really, really, really helpful. Yeah. What's your process though? Um, it's for me and you, you, you'll understand this uh, immediately, but for me, it's all about vibration and mm -hmm. kind of the, the, the energy level and the vibrational frequency that I'm on. So if I'm playing a character who's, and for whatever reason, you know, even though I'm this goofy, you know, uncle, I'm the, I'm the, give me a sitcom or give me a Hallmark movie and I'll just live there. And that's me. But yeah. people like to give me dramatic roles because they think of, well, he looks friendly, but he looks like somebody who can kill you at the end. So uh -huh. I, I get, I get those uh, a lot. So playing, playing weird kind of uh, characters where I have to get, uh, get into the darkness of it. It's vibrationally speaking, the way that I get to myself is uh, musicals. So I love musicals and it's my, my rhythm and it's the old musicals, you know, think uh, Ginger Rogers, think, uh, uh, you know, think, uh, Fred Astaire thing, oh, you know, that's oh, Andrew Wood Weber and you're like, no, 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 we're going to go classic. Old, right. Old things, black and white. Uh, or, I mean, sing in the rain. It doesn't have to be black and white, but it's that type of thing. For whatever reason, the, the frequency and the vibration of it is just perfect love, relaxation. And it's, you know, half an hour of that. And I get back to, okay, this is what it feels like to be me again. Good. And then what I, what I kind of did over time is I created a method because, right, you know, how do you ground yourself on a roll? How are you going to be presented as somebody else while still being yourself and not fully losing yourself in the process? So I, I created my own methodology, which, um, you know, I'll put a link below if people, people care, but very quickly. Basically, it's um, when I approach a role, it's, you know, for you, it's like, you know, 15% of me or 85% of me. For me, it's the alternate reality version of me. But I go, you know, this, this is the root that I am and the tree that I am. And then I go into that root into a time in the past. And I think, okay, what could have happened? Which moment? I know it happened like this, but which moment could have been different that would have led me into that version of alternate reality me? So yeah. if I'm playing somebody in the military, oh, okay, good, 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 good. Okay, so when I was 14, I was dating a girl. Her dad was in the military. So if I continued dating that girl, I would have stayed back there. I would have gone into the military and I would have grown up here. Okay, ooh, my body is feeling very different. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm more stern. So like, I don't have to, the imagination just happens on its own because it's still rooted in that same tree, but it becomes a alternate version of you. So to snap back in, it's just a kind of that, 
you know, way, way backward and it becomes easier. So these are kind of my tricks that, that I tend to do. That's really cool. Cause you're almost like quantum mechanics, like probabilities. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Being like, oh, parallel universes and the probability of me actually, you know, making that choice in this, that's really, really cool. I think that's really grounded in something quite special. Um, Thank you. And I might explore that if you're okay, you know, on my end, I, I think um, for me, when I, when I take the 15%, it's also been fun because, you know, you talk about, okay, I played a, a detective and it was interesting because there are so many things spiraling out of control mm-hmm. in that character and in that world that I felt like anything that I could have control over, mm-hmm. um, I, I would, and I'd try to make it as black and white and as, as quick as possible. Whereas for me, I live in a very either, you know, aspects of gray or all the colors of the rainbow. Like that's mm-hmm. the way Bethany perceives reality. And yep. then going from that model of thinking to then entering the military to then entering, you know, into, let's say, for example, the character on the astronauts, that's how I've gone through mm-hmm. it. And also use those memories of, I got to um, go to Guam and work with the air force, United States air force. Yep that training and having that in the body um to then go into you know being a commander as an astronaut it's such a natural progression in reality that it that that's what i found so useful but i really really enjoy the even more personalized aspect of going yes but in bethany at this moment i could have made that choice and gone in that you know full trajectory so that's really really brilliant I, by the way, I, I call it the butterfly effect uh, method of uh, acting because to me, it kind of just makes sense. You know, one little step here and everything is different. Um, yeah. what, what I found cool, uh, cool with it is that I had to do an audition for, uh, for a show I cannot, uh, I cannot name, I'll tell you after. Um, and it was three different characters. The audition is three different characters in two different languages. And it's, you know, a bunch of, uh, bunch of scenes it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It took me six, six to eight hours to kind of go through all of that. And the characters were vastly different. One is this, you know, kind of, uh, uh, he's the, um, I'm not, I, again, what can you disclose? The, the, ty- the archetype is, is somebody who's a leader, who's very, uh, very militant, who is uh, kind of my way or the highway uh, guy, who's used to everybody uh, doing what he says. The other is a complete other end of the spectrum of a uh, extroverted scientist uh, who is just doesn't get to talk to people. So complete lack of understanding of social norms and what is acceptable and is just a com- happy-go-lucky, you know, weird scientist dude. And then there's another character. So like three completely separate characters and you have to do them in two different languages and you have to do multiple scenes and you have to remember all the lines. You have to get into all that. I'm like how in the world can I do all of this? And I went back to my method and I said, okay, all right, we're going here. Good, I'm done with that guy. I'm going back. Okay, this is the scientist. When could I have done science? Oh, I remember uh, as a kid, I loved pie. And for me, I still think that there is a pattern in pie. It's not one pattern, by the way, it's multiple patterns that you kind of built in. So I've done that many times over my lifetime. So I'm like, okay, so at one point I did solve pie then the military and the you know secret service uh, took me in and said okay we can't have you disclose these secrets you're going to be working for us now and that became that guy that uh, is this goofy doesn't understand social norms because he grew up basically in the basement of uh, of a cia office 
So like, yeah. that's how yeah. I developed that guy and then another one. And when I cut everything and I sent it over and I was looking at him like one character, different character, different character. Okay, that worked. I don't know if they're going to like it. I have no idea if they're going to do anything with it. But like from the yeah. work perspective, it worked. And I was very happy with it. Yeah, and I think that's that result of, we don't know what is going to work. And in terms yeah. of casting, it's complicated and complex because it's like, you know, it's like an orchestra of instruments. You can't have everybody playing the same instrument yeah. um, or working the exact same way or coming, you know, across or having, you know, different, such difference in tone, you yep. know, when you talk about frequency. Um, so yeah, we just have to put in the work and do the craft and love it passionately and then hope for the best. <laughs> and just enjoy the whole fact that we got a chance to do it because, you know, that's the only thing we have control over. Everything else we have no control over. Uh, totally. you know, what, what happens after we submit? Zero control, which, right? uh, yeah. Play clean and start fresh and, yeah. Surrender, right? They're going back to, uh, going back to surrender. And, you know, if, if it's meant to be, it will. If not, yeah. then, you know, something else will. Um, yeah. What drives you? Uh, because again, for somebody who is this diverse and somebody who is so in touch with uh, with who she is, somebody who is open and does different things and enjoys uh, doing different things, how, I mean, what is it that drives you as a person right now? That's a really interesting question. So I think there's been two starkly different driving forces. Mm -hmm. Initially, it was love. And it was like love of exploration, like playing musical instruments and learning musical instruments felt like an adventure of learning a new voice, a new way to communicate. And when I was really little, I didn't have very many friends because I just, I didn't love the topics that kids were talking about. And I love math. And, um, you know, so it was like, I was kind of limited, but when I would play through an instrument, I could play multiple different emotions and people really felt like they could engage with me. And I felt like I could engage with them. So it was truly about love and, and connection, trying to connect with people. Um, and then as I got older and things became professional really young and really early, fear was the driver and the motivating force. And it was fear of failure and fear of truly being on a very massive stage. And I used to do this thing where I would be like playing at a festival and it would be this harsh adjudication and I'd always be trying to like, you know, perform at the top of my ability. And something would happen where I'd go, I don't even know how to play violin. Like everything would just like drop from my mind. So there was this massive motivating fear of like, just fake it. And hopefully like nobody, none the wiser. Um, And that drove me for a really, really, really long time. Actually, maybe up until about a year ago or two years ago when I felt really exhausted. And I find fear is quite an exhausting um depleting yeah. radar yeah. and so i've done this like gentle transition back into love and into connection and um so now today it truly is about love and um love of self absolutely and love of other and love of process like not result not the end part but really being in the middle of it and and allowing it to get messy and knowing that we're all learning and then we're going to surrender and then we're going to get the, you know, the whole turning point. And um, so that's what I, that's my practice right now. Um, What motivates me or what's the drive today? It's love. It's 
I, I think that's a better choice. <laughs> uh, not again, it's a, it's, it's a process, right? So if you didn't go through fear, you might not have realized how important going back to love is, which by the way, may be the name of the segment of back to love. Um, well, I, uh, I, I like this episode, you know, back to love. So um, what, because you're a musician, because you're an actress, uh, because you are more than those two other things, because you have a life outside of it. We didn't even mention all the, you know, the languages that you uh, speak. Uh, by the way, you know, you speak Japanese, you speak French. Um, a very small amount, like a terribly small amount, but it, I make people laugh. Exactly. Like when I'm in Japan, people are continuously laughing because I might speak at the level of like a three-year-old. So I always try and pump the brakes on like how many languages I can speak. Yes, I can get by, but with a lot of assistance from wonderful people who actually speak the language and like, you know, treacherous walk alongside me speaking the language, but thank you. Yes. I love That's language. Uh, it, it would seem because I think you're all about connection. You're all about being open and connected. And that's why you love acting because it, it fosters that, uh, you know, that aspect of you. So back to my, you know, long-winded question of if people ask you who you are and it's that standard question of you having to introduce yourself, who do you introduce yourself as? Um. Who do I introduce myself as? I think, um, I think I used to attach myself to a certain identity and it was about that routine. Like it was, oh, I'm Bethany the athlete. And I really had like hyper compartmentalized, like I hated when somebody would bring up that I played violin when I was on the soccer field because I felt like it made me vulnerable. And that was the last thing I wanted to be on a soccer field. So, um, but now, I think, I don't know, like going down a path of like Jim Carrey, how he's like, we're just picking identities, putting it on and saying, this is me, when really we are all of them and none of them. And I think today that's where I lead with and introduce, like I don't need to introduce myself with my resume. Uh, right now, I, I totally get why people and why I needed to do that because I wanted to validate that I was worthy of being here. Um, but now I'm like, everybody's worthy of being here. Like everyone's wonderful and beautiful and in process and growing. Um, so I think today I more so introduce myself just as like Bethany and let's get to know each other and see what comes up. And I think in terms of when you go back to frequency, I love tuning into a frequency of love and joy and amusement and, you know, and, and finding like points of connection, like what, where do you find love, joy, and amusement? And like, how can we connect on that level? Mm. Um, so I think that is like as weird a way to describe myself today and introduce myself today. Like that, that would be it. Uh, I, I like that too. And again, it, it talks about your growth and it talks about your level of understanding of self um, to know that that's where you are because people put on that identity and it's so easy you know, to introduce yourself as this is my job, but that's not exactly who you are, even if it is a, you know, wide expression of your identity. It's just, there is a lot more. So um, I, I, I like asking these questions because it, it, it shows me where kind of uh, people are in their thinking and in their, sounds horrible, but in their development. Yeah. Because that's kind of 
the reality of that. Um, one of the most beautiful things that I've heard uh, you mentioned during the interview with Malcolm was uh, when you climbed uh, you know, Mount Fiji during the night. Uh, yeah. It was cold. It was very, very difficult uh, just so you can watch the sunrise in the morning. And it was uh, the most incredible thing ever. Uh, again, people, please watch the interview. That particular part is at the very end. So uh, if you, even for that, it's, it's worth uh, to watch. But um, that, again, told me so much about who you are and the type of person that you are. But isn't that, you know, kind of when we talk about it's not about the, you know, the end result, it's about the journey and it's yeah. about the pieces in it. You, you kind of live that particular thing just in that part uh, of climbing the mountain and seeing that sunrise. Yeah, I think that as an analogy for like, yeah, life gets difficult. And it, at certain points it gets really dark and really treacherous and you don't know your footing uh, because it's really shaly, like when you're climbing up Everest. So your footing is continuously slipping. Yeah. And, and then there's these little points, you know, where you like take your stick and, and you get it branded with like every level. Um, and that's like, you know, how high you're going, like the meters of elevation. Yeah. And I loved that process because, you know, there are these people along the way who are going to support you in your journey and encourage you to kind of keep going. And I think going back to that surrender piece of like surrendering just to the process, like that is how life goes. Yeah, we take our first steps and maybe it's exciting and we're all really excited, like in it together. And then it gets really hard and it's like, ah, I'm, I feel really alone and, and in the dark and why did I even choose this path? And it's cold and it's miserable. And then, you know, you get to the top and you have beautiful bowl of udon and watch the sunrise and it's breathtaking and it's undescribable. And it's truly one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Um, and then, you hike back down, <laughs> you know, and then you do it again, maybe somewhere else or in, in a different kind of journey. And that's truly what it's been like with music is no, it's not always been easy. At certain points it was terrible. And I questioned why I was doing it. Um, and it was painful. And I mean, physically painful. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of pressure. And again, it was so fear-based at a certain point, like at a certain point I was even scared just to pick up an instrument as though I might play one wrong note. And, um, and, and that's okay. Cause that's a part of the journey. And then it's cool to the other side where it's like, oh no, yeah, it's joyful. And I'll play lots of wrong notes. Like that's pretty inevitable and guaranteed, but I'm still going to play. And similarly with acting, like, yeah, I'm going to do some pretty bunk auditions. That's going to happen. Uh, that's right. I'm going to do some pretty dope auditions too. And same with being on set. Like I think people pressure themselves so much to be perfect all the time and it's exhausting and it's a bit damaging. Um, because we're all humans. And so we need to kind of have the allowance, the freedom to make some mistakes. Um, yeah, without, you know, without the whole world ending. Yes, yeah. Um, going back uh, for a second, it's just, you know, as, as we're doing the analogy part of it, the people uh, along your climb that were, uh, you know, doing that, uh, that uh, stick, as you mentioned, and they were uh, kind of, um, potentially encouraging you along the way, that is very apropos to real life because people come in and out of your life. They may be there for a short period of time and be very important at that moment in your life. And then you'll never see them again. And they've played their role and they've done uh, what they were supposed to do. So 
that's that's that whole cycle is how I view it. You know, some people come in, some people come out, uh, some people come in, and you know that there's going to be conflict, and hopefully you'll understand why they're there and what they're trying to teach you. Uh, for with other people, is just it's a connection. You both help each other, and then you move away. So yeah. it's it's that's how life works. Yeah. And that's for me, like. Um, what love is especially because I think people get really devastated when they lose love or lose a partner and it is hard and the grieving is necessary there's also aspect of like when love comes into my life it is the most brilliant teacher and so I'm going to learn a lot and I'm definitely going to take whatever that is into the next phase of my life and be forever grateful for that person or that thing or that experience that brought that to me and shared that with me Um, which is again like such a funny like expression of like, I love all my exes. They're so cool and so awesome. I'm so thankful they spent some time with me. And then, you know, we got to kind of grow and, and, and do this next phase of the journey um, with whomever or, or however that went. Um, yeah. Do you see yourself uh, again, you know, being, being the type of person that, uh, that loves to travel, that loves to be in different uh, projects that, you know, goes around and, surrenders to different things uh and being that open does that help with your relationships does that hinder uh your ability to be in a long-term relationship what have you found uh, a bit of both so it just depends on the combination of people so um at certain times i think it can make people uncomfortable with sure. me being so open and so able to travel and, and move around and make friends and have mm-hmm. really meaningful, valuable connection with people. Um, and I, I understand in terms of it can evoke fear in certain people. Um, but that said, I've also found in terms of my partner right now, who's amazing and wonderful and totally understands. And there is a much more flexibility, but that said, I'm pretty like, boringly traditional. I know, like, I wish I was cooler uh, with my relationship, but I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's pretty old school uh, by the book, uh, you know, and like, just like to come home and take my adventure boots off and cook some dinner and chat about the day and maybe watch Netflix and cuddle, you know? Um, and so that's like, in terms of actually falling into the rhythm of a relationship, I think I do really well with that kind of touch point and and anchor um but then also being allowed to have the freedom to still explore the world um and you know we have to build our boundaries and our parameters of how are we going to work as a team um and i'm pretty open to you know that (laughs) um i i'll 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 push back on the boring part because i think uh, first of all it's not boring it's uh it's a it's a comfort uh, level that is necessary, especially for somebody who has a lot of changes uh, in, in her life, like you do, having that part is a balancing uh, part of it. So it allows you to kind of uh, settle in. Uh, it also has to do with your upbringing and uh, you know, your family and your experiences as, as a child, which again, I know a little bit about and uh, they're not necessarily for this conversation, but I think all of that just makes, uh, makes sense and probably helps as opposed to uh, being the non-boring and then uh, you're all over the place and you may not find that anchor that you are looking for. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're totally right in terms of, I think it's that balance, like that yin-yang balance. So 
I'd be absolutely adventurous in my job and in my, you know, self-discovery, but then really loving that routinized kind of um, something yeah. to look forward to and, you know, rhythm yeah. to fall into someone else. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, you, again, you're on social media, you're doing all these different things. People know quite a bit about you. Is there something that people do not know about you that you're willing to share? Oh, that's a tough one. Nothing <laughs> jumps into my mind that people don't know about me because I'm pretty open and open with being in process in terms of in discovering things. Um, let me think. While you're thinking, I'll give you one example that kind of was was very cool for me. Is I was speaking to uh, uh, to an actor who you know people uh, associate with certain roles that he was in uh, all the time, and then you know I asked that question. He's like, "Yeah, I have uh, I have an olive oil uh, uh, kind of uh, business that we're running in the backyard, and he you know, showed a whole bunch of uh, olive trees, and they're doing that. I'm like, this is so cool. I would never have known about it. That's why I keep asking that question because you just never know what people are doing. That is really cool. That's actually inspiringly cool. Um, I do, again, love process. So um, coming from my home life, my mom is like, and, and my dad, my dad passed away, which is the only reason why I'm not speaking about him in the present tense, but he was very, very present in my upbringing. Um, and it would be like us out collecting eggs, churning our own butter, milking our own cows. Um, and so I do feel like I might return to that into the future and like, you know, it's olive oil. Okay. Maybe plant some olive trees and, and see about creating some olive oil and infusing it with something that that's pretty special. That's pretty Very amazing. Cool. Uh, last thing before we wrap up, which um, I just, I don't know if there is a direct correlation, but it seems like every actor that I've spoken to from uh, Canada overall and Vancouver specifically, is just a very relaxed, very, um, very fluid and very uh, developed person. Uh, I don't know if it's a if it's a Canadian thing. I don't know if it's a Vancouver thing. It's just it, it's a different energy, and everybody is just incredibly fascinating. Uh, and I truly enjoy uh, speaking to uh, to Vancouver actors specifically. Oh, that's amazing. You know what I think, again, somebody else may have a totally different perspective, but I mm. think it might be that we're all job actors where there's a lot of work in Vancouver and mm. we've all often trained a lot together and we're continuously trying to get better at craft. And so I think the goal is a little bit different. So the goal is to, we're, we're gonna work on a lot of different shows and probably play a lot of different characters so there's a level of flexibility with craft and continuous owning craft and totally cool about talking about it. And I think maybe a lot of us are like super big acting nerds. Like we're, we're just, we geek out pretty hard on, yeah. on it. And um, then there's this other kind of like balance in Canada, whether that be politically, socially, culturally, um, and a push towards continuing education and continuing learning and growing and changing. So, um, yeah, and the bit, like, for me, there's a gentleness about Canadians. Uh, there's like a maple Thank syrup, you. you know, and it's like, if you're having a tough time here, come on over and, you know, you can hang out on my couch for a while until you get back on your feet. Um, I've had that happen. Like when I got off tour, 
my best friend was like, Hey, why don't you come house it for me? And I'm going away. And, you know, I know you need a little bit of time to kind of sort yourself out and get back into Canadian way of living. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, my friends are awesome. Uh, and I try and be awesome to my friends too. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think Vancouver, the, the more, the more I, I talk to people and, uh, you know, the more I'm, I'm kind of, again, all vibrationally speaking, right? Vancouver is, is much more me than any, any other actors that I've spoken to. And there are incredible people from all over, you know, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, uh, LA, Toronto, uh, Vancouver. You know, that's kind of the foundation of the people that uh, you get to talk to. But I think Vancouver is, is more, more my vibe. Even though it's, uh, it's, the weather is not exactly what, uh, what I love. And I wish your skyscrapers would be of different color because they look great when it's sunny and they look dreary when it's not. I still don't get that part. I don't understand why Vancouver wouldn't just repaint them. But um, I think (laughs) that's a good note. We should put that (laughs) forth. Absolutely, because it is a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Uh, But you do have rain. Uh, One of the reasons why it's so lush is because of the rain. Uh, But you know, your city looks dreary and gray when it's uh, like that outside and it doesn't have to be. It could be you know, a lot, a lot prettier. So that's, that's my suggestion for anybody who's listening. Have colorful personalities to, to penetrate the grayness of, of our city and like the dreariness of our weather. Cause that's actually an interesting thing when other actors move to Canada or to yeah. specifically, sometimes they have a difficult time like catching the vibe and be like, how are you guys also like chill and happy? when yeah. it's terrible outside and I'm like oh because it's adventure time and like you know or we have like full rain suits that we put on and then we go for a bike ride um so yeah I, I wonder if that actually starts to chip away at the rough edges of the personality to make us you know soft gooey and be love love bunnies my cats come to join our interview I don't know if you can see yeah, him yeah I, I can see him he's very very cool um there he is oh very very pretty mm-hmm. love it and kind of camouflaging uh, in that in that chair. That that's cool. Yeah, I bought him more so be a throw pillow, but uh, he just took over the whole house. That's nice. Hello. Oh, look at those eyes. So pretty. <laughs> okay. Well, Bethany, you're you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, best of luck with everything. I am looking forward to watching uh, Astronauts. Uh, it looks really cool. So. Um, by the way, my, my wife is a huge fan of, uh, of The Good Doctor, so I know we didn't get a chance to speak about that, but, you know, you were uh, on A Good Doctor, so she saw you there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe next time when you jump over, we'll talk uh, more specifically about the project, but I just okay. found you fascinating, and I want to talk to you about life in general more than just, you know, projects, so. Cool, thank you. This is lovely. Thank you. Um, and thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode of The Love of Acting. We know you find it as fascinating as we do. So we appreciate you watching with us. Thank you. Thank you.